I've been blessed. God has given me friends literally all over the world. And when we were singing that last song uh, together, I was thinking about when we, you know, that when we came to that part about how his name is just lifted up everywhere. I thought about people I know uh, in Africa, I have friends in Europe and in Latin America and even in China. And just to spread around, and I thought about how it goes from dawn to dark, you know, as we, as we move through that cycle and how his praise, and that, you know, in the weekend and as we worship as the body of Christ and as his church, it just goes all the way around the world. It's just a cool thought to me, and I just love that idea uh, that we're worshiping him and that I have people that I'm praying for in other places, and they're praying for me, and uh, we send you know notes and texts and messages back and forth, and I, I just it's just a beautiful thing. It's just a beautiful thing. We're going to wrap up today a series we've done. Uh, this is the fourth week. It's called More Than Words, and we've been talking about prayer and just how to do that. And we've looked at it from a lot of different ways, particularly from what we call you know the Lord's Prayer, which I was familiar with even before I started going to church. I kind of knew about that. You know, I'd heard that there were a few things I was in. I just wasn't totally out there. I understood that. I kind of got that. But I didn't know how to pray, and I didn't really know what that was about, except for the cliches and the memorized things and, you know, this kind of formal public prayers that I had heard as a kid uh, but wasn't really in touch with that. And the Lord's teaching me. He's been teaching me, and he's teaching me now. Uh, so today I want to, you know, I had this idea, a thought about that if we were really, really honest, you know how people say that, like if you don't preface it, let me just be honest with you, that means everything else they've said is questionable. <laughs> they, may, they may or may not be telling the truth. But if we were all honest, we'd say the biggest reason that you don't pray or that you quit praying or that you're not really fascinated about it and you don't do it is because we get frustrated about the fact that sometimes, come on, it, it just doesn't seem to work. Right? I mean, have you ever prayed for something one time, expecting an immediate answer, and you just kind of, you just had that, and you knew it was going to happen, and it didn't happen? And you just did, you didn't get what you wanted? Or have you ever prayed for something repeatedly, and you knew, like, as best as I know, without playing any games, I think this is in God's will. You know, I'm not asking for something weird or crazy or, you know, it's, I'm, I'm, God, I'm just praying your heart and I, I really think this is it and I, I'm going to keep doing it. And either he didn't give it to you or he didn't do it or it didn't, it didn't unfold, didn't happen like you thought it would or kind of hoped it would. I've had that happen to me a lot of times. And that causes a real problem in our culture and I think it causes a real problem in our personal lives. There's a guy, he's one of the most astute observers of social trends in America that I know of. His name is Daniel Yekolovich. And he said that there was a cultural shift that occurred sometime in the 70s, which was like my generation. And so I kind of get this. Before then, society uh, valued self-denial or what is known as deferred gratification, or delayed gratification. But somewhere in the 60s and 70s, the rules changed. 
And where there used to be an ethic of self-denial, there emerged and I think exploded uh, a culture, an ethic of self-fulfillment. So we began to want our emotional needs, you know, satisfied right away. I want everything fulfilled. I want it to happen right now. And I'll be honest with you, I've bought into this in a lot of ways without even realizing it. I don't want to sacrifice. I don't want to wait for anything. And I have been somebody like between those two generations that I can step back and see that, not just in culture, you know, or those young people, but I can see it in me. I see it in in my life. Uh, We're so used to getting instantly, you know, what we want that we, you know, we're not even aware of it in our expectations when it happens. But it'll come to you in moments, you know, like when you're on Netflix and it's buffering and you're thinking, really? Seriously? You know, or you're, you know, you're texting somebody and you're waiting for their reply. You're going, this is taking forever. You know, and you think, wow, what's happened to us? We've just become that culture that wants things, and we kind of expect that uh, to happen right now. So, you take that idea and think about the fact that under that environment, with those expectations, prayer is going to lose out. Because, guys, this, it requires discipline, and it requires perseverance and sacrifice, and it's not always real easy to measure the results, especially right away. Answers to prayers, and I can tell you, just from my experience, they are not always immediate. In fact, oftentimes, that's not the case. So it's hard. We're going to look at a text today where Jesus deals with this difficult uh, side of prayer, and he's going to tell us not just what to pray, and where to pray, and some of the issues that we've looked at over the last couple of weeks. But he's going to tell us how to pray so that you know that God is hearing you even when it seems like he's not listening. And come on, you've prayed those prayers, right? You've prayed and you've thought, I'm just going to stand right here and just kind of get a little sun, (laughs) just kind of work on my tan. I'm going to think about this. There are times you pray and you think, God, I don't even know if you're listening. I don't know. I don't know. And so the next time you think, eh, what's the, what's the use? Well, let's look at that. Um, so the first big idea that I want you to get is to pray relentlessly. Pray relentlessly. Jesus tells this story, and it's only found in Luke's gospel. And I love the fact that Jesus is such an amazing storyteller. Did you know that your brain is wired to receive information through story better than any other method of learning? Or remembering things. That's why I could say, okay, you had a physics exam last week or a chemistry exam. Tell me, tell me back again what was on the test. And you think, oh, I don't remember. I just kind of memorized it for the test. But I can say, tell me about the latest great movie that you saw or the last book you read. Oh, okay, well, I don't want to spoil anything because I remember every detail. That is just built into us. We remember story. So Jesus used that method of teaching all the time. And here's a story that he told in Luke chapter 11, uh, beginning in the fifth verse. And then he said to them, Suppose that one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight 
and says to him, and midnight is not such a, you know, in our culture, particularly near a campus, that doesn't work anymore. Let's say 4 a.m., because midnight is like the middle of day to you. Okay. Um, It says to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come from a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside the answers, he says, do not bother me. The door has already been shut, and my children or I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is a friend, yet because of his persistence, he'll get up and give him as much as he needs. Now, this story is so cool. It revolves around three friends. First, there is a friend to feed. And we've all got those friends, or you are those friends. Uh, This man has a friend. He shows up on his doorstep. Uh, It's late at night. He's unannounced. Uh, He's looking for a place to stay and something to eat. I've got this guy. I've got to feed people. Uh, And then there is a friend in need. Because the man who's supposed to take care of him, he doesn't have anything for him to eat. He wasn't ready for that. The shelves are empty. Publix has closed. Kroger's closed. Walmart's not been invented yet. He can't get anything. Then there's the friend indeed. There's a friend who lives up the street. Uh, he just went shopping today. He, we can, he could probably take care of that. He could help us. So the friend indeed can help the friend in need to give food to his friend to feed. <laughs> okay. In Middle Eastern culture... And this is not just true back then, it's true now. If a visitor comes to your home, you're expected to take him in. Uh, I was on a mission trip once, and uh, we had already eaten, and we got to this home, and they had prepared this meal. And I said, yeah, I'm not hungry. Thank you so much, but I've already eaten. And this pastor, who's a friend of mine, pulled me aside and said, Dan, it would just be incredibly rude of you not to eat because... This is what they do. They extend hospitality, and it's just, you just, you got to do this because it's a custom there. Well, the same is true in this place. Um, And a friend is a person who comes along, and they're in need, and you're expected to give them shelter and food. In fact, the entire community was responsible to help you in case you couldn't do it. It's like on everybody. So the host in this parable has real problem. He has a late night guest who's shown up at his door. It's too late to send out for pizza. and He's hungry. He doesn't have any food. What do you do next? Well, the host has a choice. He can either let his friend go hungry, say, sorry about that, uh, which would ruin his reputation in the community. This was just unheard of. Not to mention damage his friendship with this guy, or he could be bold enough to go call on one of the neighbors. I'm so sorry to bother you, but look, there's somebody here, and I don't have anything, and I know it's late, and I'm just really embarrassed, but I've got to do this. The door's locked. uh, The lights are out. Everybody's in bed. And remember, most of the houses back then just had one or two, three rooms max. 
So everybody kind of slept. You know, that you notice that where it says, my children and I are in bed together. And some of you have never had kids think, well, that just sounds weird. Those of you who had kids, you know exactly what that's like. And you know what it's like to get the baby asleep, to get the children to sleep, and then somebody knocks on the door and you're going, oh, no, 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 I can't move. Have you ever tried to get up from a sleeping child? You know, and you, you, you develop these cool, stealthy, ninja, slithery moves to try to get up. Uh, my daughter used to fall asleep. She, would, she figured out I was leaving, you know, after she fell asleep. So as she fell asleep, she would wrap her, like her arms and legs. She would just tangle up as best she could in you. And then you learn, and you get just really good at getting away from that and disappearing again. Uh, that was this guy's problem. He's like, I can't believe you're here at midnight and the kids, you're going to wake up. And, and now mama's upset because you woke the baby and all of these things are going on. What kind of attitude is this guy going to have if he's going to do what needs to be done to take care of his friend? What will move that neighbor to give in and say, okay, you know what, I'm going to meet the need. I'm going to take care of this. Well, the key word and the idea in this whole story is in verse 8. He said, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, it's like when you ignore the phone call, when you don't answer the door and you pretend that you're not there. You know, it says, yet because of the man's boldness, his boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Now, the Greek word for boldness, and I always like to mention the Greek because then you know I'm well-trained. It's only used one time uh, in the Bible. Check that out. And if you're studying vocabulary, it's going to be a long time before you get to this word because it's used once in the entire Bible. And it's a word that combines the concepts of boldness with shamelessness. You know, it's just the audacity of, of, of that kind of a thing. Uh, you know, just asking for somebody's going, I just can't believe he's asking. Well, he is. You know, it's, and we've, we've seen people like that. We've been people like that, maybe. Now, keep in mind the char- who the characters in the story represent. The host in the story, that's you and me. The neighbor is God. And many people have said this parable teaches that the way you get your prayer answered, and this is what I was taught, you know, uh, the way you want to get your prayer answered is just wear God out. I mean, oh Lord, here I am again. I'm not going to stop till you answer. You know, that's kind of the idea that we get from this. It's just, and it's like every day the Lord turns around and there you are. Pray, pray, pray. And he says, all right, fine, all right, I'll do it. Because that worked with your parents, right? At least some of you. You've got those parents that say no, or go ask your mother, or go, you know, and they just keep, please, please, can we, everybody's going to be there. Oh, you said, and you, you said, you know, and you just keep going and going. And finally, the parent goes, all right, all right, you know what? Fine. But it's with that kind of attitude, you know, and you've sort of changed what they'll do for you, but you haven't changed their heart. We'll talk about that another time. That's a, little, that's a little risky there. But that's kind of, kind of what happens. And we get that idea, that's what this parable's about. And that's what it's teaching you to do. And I just want you to know, I don't think that's true. God is not, you know, some grumpy neighbor that you've got to beat on his door. and He doesn't want to deal with you. But you just finally 
talk him into it. That's not what this is about. God is a loving father. And he's ready and he's willing and he wants to meet your needs. What he wants for us is to come to him and to be bold about it. Don't be embarrassed. Come on, come on. Don't be ashamed. I want you to come in. I want you to ask me. I am here for you. So for him, uh, the time is never inconvenient because it's never midnight to God. (laughs) Think about that. It's never never late to him. He doesn't lack anything. Uh, He has what you need. You don't bother him. You are the apple of his eye. I mean, he just loves you so much. Uh, And he's not just your neighbor, he's your father. He's your father. And he's so glad when you ask him. I mean, he really is. I think the greatest needs that we have in life are the ones that only God can meet. Those are the things, you know, there are going to be times when only God can give you what you really need. So we pray relentlessly and we pray persistently. It says, immediately after telling this parable, Jesus does what any good teacher would do. He makes a practical application. He goes, okay, here's the lesson. Here's the way it works in theory. And here's your real life. That's why the next phrase is, so I say to you, here's the way this should play out. In other words, here's the point of the story. I told you the story. Now I want you to get why I'm telling you that. And so we shouldn't come to God just, you know, relentlessly with boldness, openly asking him to meet all of our needs and the needs of others, but we should also do it persistently. I mean, just hang in there with that. And that is, you know, determined that we're not going to quit. We're not going to quit praying until he gives us an answer one way or the other. And I think that's where your prayer life, some of them, this is going to take wings, and it's it's going to be launched when you say, oh, by the way, I'm not going to stop praying. If you don't answer the first time or two, I'm not quitting. I'll see you tomorrow. I'll see you tonight. I'll be back. It says this in verse 9 and 10. Ask, this is in Luke 11, 9 and 10. Ask and it shall be given to you and you will find. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks and to him who knocks, it'll be opened. You can see the urgency sort of increases, picks up momentum with each step. First, we begin by asking. You know, and I've had those kind of prayers where I go, Lord, I just want to pray. You know, those times you just, I just pray for the missionaries. I just pray for my mama. I just pray, you know, and, you, and it's just kind of in your heart. And then there's those things that are a little more important to you. Lord, I pray that she would say yes when I ask her on this date Friday night. I pray, you know, we start praying, Lord. And then you get into something, you know, oh, Lord, the test starts in five minutes and I didn't study. If this one time you would put all the answers in my head, I'll go to China. I'll do whatever you want me to do. God, oh, God, you know, and you just, you're praying. You're you pray desperately. Because your baby's sick. Or the, you know, you got that call. 
or you got the diagnosis, or you got, and all of a sudden your prayers move from here to here. And that's kind of what he's talking about here. He says, you just began to pray with passion, and the urgency's increased. I think the biggest failure in, in my life is just simply the failure to pray, just to do it. I mean, how many times have you heard this verse? It's in James 4, 2. You have not because you ask not. Well, he meant that. The greatest tragedy in my life hasn't been unanswered prayer. It has been unprayed prayer, unspoken prayer. Uh, Times where I just didn't. And I think that might be true with you too. You just never offered up a prayer. So the first step uh, to pray is just simply go to the Lord and, uh, you know, who can meet any need that you have and admit to him, you've got what I need and I'm asking you to meet that need. And the next step is to seek. We're to add some action, you know, to the asking. The idea is not just take our needs to the Lord, but once you pray... Then start looking around, expecting, I think God's going to answer this. I believe he is answering this. I wonder how he's going to do it. Have you ever got up or left your place of prayer, your quiet secret place, and thought, I just have this sense that God heard that, and he's going to answer me. I kind of feel like he's on it. I wonder what's going to happen. I have had that. There are times, uh, there was a time when I just prayed financially. I was just so dead broke, and people were coming after me, and I wasn't going to be able to take my exams. And they, you know, they said, unless this comes in by this time, I start praying on a Wednesday, and they said, this has got to happen by, you know, by Monday. And I start praying, and I had some friends who lived in this apartment with me, and they just began to pray with me and over me. And we all got up with this assurance God's going to answer this prayer. He's going to. So I called the financial director and I said, "Hey, the money's coming. I'll have it by the end, by, by the weekend." And I remember one of my roommates said, "Maybe you shouldn't have gone that far. <laughs> you know, maybe you shouldn't have told him that." And I says, "Well, I just really had this sense of God." But then what you do is you start looking around. How's he going to do it? And everybody you meet, you go, "Are you about to give me a lot of money?" No. Okay. Must not be you. You know, must be somebody else. Uh, You check your bank account. Yeah, I'm just calling to see what my balance is. Oh, it's the same. Just thought it might have miraculously appeared there. And you know, you feel kind of silly, but that's cool. That's good. You're doing the right thing. Look around to see, God, how are you going to answer this prayer? It also means that you're seeking the mind of the Lord in the matter. Uh, That you're seeking his will. And the funny thing that happened to me Uh, with that circumstance, is that the story went all the way to Sunday uh, night worship service in this church, and this guy comes up to me, and he goes, hey, how are things going? Things are going good. Yeah, everything's fine. He goes, good. He goes, well, you know, here, and he gave me a check. I don't even know this guy. Um, I mean, I know him, but, you know, he's like an acquaintance, and you just see him around. Uh, but he gives me this check, and I, it, when you start off in the ministry, sometimes and people could see, I was just so, just really, you can ask Kathy, when she met me, she said, I think you're the poorest person I know. <laughs> I used that as, you know, my advantage. You know? Uh, 
And I was just so broke. So the music, I put it in the front of my Bible. You know, I just tucked it right there. And then we're singing songs and stuff. And I got curious. And I got curious. I'm just going to peek and see what this is. And so I look at it. And it was for everything I needed. And I was just overwhelmed. I thought it was going to be 10 or 20, 30. You know, it just was so much. And I just thought, oh, my goodness. And, you know, afterwards, I caught the guy. And he he, um, was on his way out to his really new shiny Mercedes. He owned a coffee company. And, um, you know, I just said, oh, this is too much. I just didn't expect this. He goes, no. He goes, no. I said, how did you? He said, well, my wife and I, one day, we both just kind of had you on our minds, and we started praying for you separately. And he said, we started that morning. He said, well, at night, we kind of pray together. And he said, I said, you know, I'm just thinking about Dan Riley today, and he's just been on my mind. She goes, that is so crazy, because I've been thinking about him too. He said, well, I think we should do something. And just out of that conversation, they decided that night to do that, and uh, without even really knowing me well. This is the cool part. I said, when was that? He said, Wednesday night. I thought, that's when the Lord gave me the assurance. You've got to start looking around. You've got to start seeking how God is going to answer. Uh, I talked to someone not long ago, and they said, I'm just praying God would give me a husband. I'm just praying God would give me a husband. Look around. There's several awesome guys sitting right there around you right now. No, I'm just kidding. It's not her. It's you. Come on. What about him? He's a nice guy. His daddy's got like a company or something. You know, that's what I'm talking about. You start looking around. And I'm just kidding. I'm really just kidding. She's like, I'm going to kill you. You don't even know me. Okay. You got to pray. You got to look around. Because the key to answered prayer is being willing to pray like that. Listen to this next verse. In 1 John Uh, chapter 5. It says, this is the confidence which we have before him that if we ask anything according to his will, you're in his will, he always reminds us about that. He hears us. He heard you. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request uh, which we have asked from him. So we seek and then we knock. That is, we ask God, God, would you open doors? Would you clear paths? Would you provide a way for his will to be done and for our needs to be met? I don't see how it's going to happen. And sometimes you pray about things, you think, well, except there's this one obstacle in front of me. There's this one problem. Just start praying against that. Praying for, you know, praying, God, you can push that around. You've got a solution. Now, all three of the verbs in, in this language, in the Greek, are in present tense. So what that really is saying is keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, don't stop. Don't stop. Be persistent. Uh, because I think, you know, and, and there's some reasons why God may or may not answer your prayer immediately. And there are times I've wondered about that. Going, Lord, from my side of things, this is perfect. Now would be the moment right now. And then nothing happens. Sometimes God doesn't do that because he's absolutely, frustratingly not concerned with time. But he is concerned with timing. Perfect timing. So he might not answer you right away, but he will answer. And one day you're going to look back and go, 
Oh my goodness, that was perfect. That was the perfect timing. I just get, didn't get it then. So let me just get real quickly, I'm just going to throw out some reasons why he may ask you to wait. He may ask you to wait because he wants to strengthen my faith. It's easy to trust God when he's speaking and everything's going. It's not easy to trust him when he's quiet. When he's quiet. There's something about pursuing God and waiting on him and believing on him, even when people around you don't, uh, even when he's, he's just real quiet. It, strength, it toughens your faith. Another reason that God may delay things is that he needs to remind me that I'm totally dependent on him. Don't you think about this? If God answered, at least for me, if he answered my prayer every time I prayed and did it immediately, I wouldn't so much be trusting in him anymore as I would be trusting in me, my prayer life, my praying. Third reason is God delays is it might be that circumstances are just not right for the answer. And it looks like to you they are, but on his side he goes, no, you just got to trust me, this is not the best time. God only knows what is best for us. He knows when it's best for us. Have you seen the commercials where the little kid drives the car? And he's like stuck in traffic and it's rain and all that. Those are just hilarious. And it, you know why it's so funny? Because it's so inappropriate. Because little kids, it's not the right time. I mean, I wanted to drive a car from the time I was a baby. I just love cars and drive. You know, that was a whole thing. I just couldn't wait. So... The day of my 16th birthday, which was then, at that time, back in the old days, and I took my buggy down to the DMV. Now, I took my best friend's, the only car available to us was his mother's Pontiac Catalina. It's about the size of this platform. And it's one of those that you touch the brakes or you blow on the brakes, they're like superpower. I mean, the car just stops. I remember being real anxious of driving this car, and I just felt like I was in a yacht, you know? I mean, like, a, it was just huge. But I was there on my birthday, and you remember that, right? Because that's the right time. That was the right moment. God's not going to give you a driver's license when you're six years old. I mean, and, and he knows those things, so sometimes he delays. And then one other reason is that sometimes it increases our gratitude when the answer finally comes. You appreciate anything a lot more when you've asked for it and you're now you're focused. And, I mean, he's got your attention and you're asking for it continually. That's so much, I don't know, it just captures our hearts so much more than we just casually mention at one time. Oh, yeah, Lord, by the way, I'd really, before I go to sleep here, I'd kind of like you to do this. Now, he, we pursue him. So let me give you one other idea, and that's to pray confidently. Check out how Jesus brings his teachings to prayer full circle. I want you to see this. I just, this has hit me. I had not seen this. I told Kathy a couple of days ago, I said, I never saw that until I was going through this text again. Um, he, what he said at the very beginning, he comes back to when he, when he taught them to pray. Listen to this. This is in Luke chapter 11, um, verse 11. Now, suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish. What kind of dad? Okay, here's, here's your fish. <laughs> I'm just kidding, it's a snake. And he, and he brings that out and just kind of scares the life out of you. You wouldn't want to do that. Or when he's asking for an egg. None of my children ever come in and said, can I have an egg? 
No, but I'll give you a scorpion. Oh, Dad, you know, that scared me to death. No, you're not going to do that. He says, if you then, being evil, how, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit who asks him? Now, did you catch it? He ends up talking about fathers again. Do you remember when we began the series, the very first thing? Our Father, who art in heaven. This is all about God being your Father. And He's not like your dad. And I know some of you had dads who were failures. And some of you were hurt. And I get that. It's not like Him. It's not even like those of you who had great dads and awesome dads. It's not even like that dad. This is even better. It's something different. We can't always give our kids what we want to give. Even though we scrimp and save, God can afford it. He can give it to you. He can give you the best thing that you want. God wants to give you the very best. So why does... Jesus, you know, he says in, in, in chapter, in verse 13, he says, the Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. And Jesus, why are you bringing up the Holy Spirit? It seems out of context. I think when God deals with you about your needs, he's also going to deal with you about your heart. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something uh, as we learn to pray confidently. If you have one of our free deluxe handouts and I was telling our guys at the door helping these this is the nicest quality they're so much better than what the Methodist or the Presbyterian are given down the street I'm serious these are just really nice but if you have a section here and if, you, if you've already filled this up with every word I've said um, then take out a sheet of paper or maybe just get your phone out and open up the notes, the notes app in your phone uh, and I want you just to make four headings. And I've chosen these. You might feel a need to pick something different, and that's okay. You're absolutely, totally free. But these are just something to get you started. Under one column, write physical or medical. The next column, write financial. The next column, write relationships. And that might be marriage or a friendship or maybe a relationship with your parents or something. I don't just write relationships and then spiritual. Four columns. What I'd like for you to do in just a moment, we're going to do this song and I really got the title of this message from this song. It's a Sanctus Real. It's just really beautiful. But I want you to, to take this opportunity to write down under each one of those columns just one or two or three things you need. A prayer, something you would ask from the Lord. And then you can do this right where you are. Or if you want to come down here, I love this kind of just turned into like a prayer altar and just open that up in front of you and hide it from people who might be peeking, you know, uh, and just for the first time just pray 
with boldness and with persistence and with confidence and just relentlessly, God, I'm just going to give this to you. Now, right before we do this, I'm just going to ask you, let's make some promises together before we pray. First, I will not hesitate to pray because I'm afraid God might not answer. It's not going to stop me. Secondly, I will trust God to give me what He knows is best for me, what's for His glory. Third, I will ask Him daily for the Holy Spirit to control my life, recognizing that at the end of the day, that's really my greatest need. And then the last one, number four, I, I will not quit praying until God tells me to. Until God releases me. I'm going to keep praying about this. All right, we're going to give you just a moment to write those down and then just to pray. Let's do that right now during this song.